the crucifixion of Jesus. So they took Jesus and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but this man said I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So so they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfil what the scripture says. They divided my clothes amongst themselves and for my clothing they cast lots. And that's what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. And then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfil the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who'd been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you may believe his testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that the scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, they will look on the one whom they have pierced. So they took Jesus and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. And so we come to the centre of the story. We've journeyed from the garden to the courtyard to the pavement of Pilate, and now we travel with Jesus to the cross. John tells even the story of the crucifixion as a scene in which the principal actor is Jesus. Jesus carries the cross by himself here. There's no reference to Simon of Cyrene, 
familiar from the other Gospels. As we've seen, John places a great emphasis on the charge set about Jesus' head as he's crucified. There is no dialogue or interaction between the soldiers, nor between the Lord and those crucified with him. The scene is stripped back. Even from the cross, Jesus takes the initiative in the interaction between the disciple whom he loves and his mother. Woman, here is your son. Here is your mother. Jesus himself, in effect, calls for wine and a sponge is held to his mouth. Most powerful of all are Jesus' final words spoken from the cross. It is finished. The sense and meaning of those words are, It is accomplished. It has been done. Then in the active, Jesus bowed his head and gave up his spirit. No one takes his life. He gives it. In spite of the plots of Judas and the high priest, in spite of the brutality of the Romans and the false justice of Pilate, it is vital to realise at this hour of Good Friday that death is not something which simply happens to Jesus because of the actions of others. Jesus enters into a battle with death. He offers his life and in the fourth gospel is as active in this final part of the journey as at every stage. Jesus has come to the place of the skull to accomplish something. By the time he bows his head and gives up his spirit, it has been accomplished. What has he done? What has been completed? All the Gospels bear witness that the disciples found it hard to understand that Jesus came to offer his life. In Matthew, Mark and Luke, Jesus speaks to them three times about his death and its necessity and meaning, but they don't begin to understand until after the resurrection. John omits those encounters. But John threads his reference to the meaning of this death through the narrative in powerful images rich in meaning. The clues are there, but we need to assemble them to understand. That assembly and understanding is the work of a lifetime. In the opening chapter of the Gospel, there is a man sent from God whose name was John. John sees Jesus coming towards him and declares, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the Old Testament sacrificial system, the Lamb takes away sin through death. In Isaiah 53, traditionally read today, the servant of the Lord is like a sheep to the slaughter, a slaughter which is for our healing and salvation. In John 3.14, the reference is to an obscure Old Testament story. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. The bronze serpent was lifted up in the camp, so that whoever simply looked 
would be healed of plague, a powerful symbol in this particular Holy Week. So Jesus, through his death and his lifting up, brings the deepest healing for all the world. In John 10, the imagery shifts, but the meaning is the same. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. There is a death here, which brings healing and salvation and forgiveness, generation after generation after generation. A death which accomplishes a great victory. In John 11, after Lazarus is raised, Caiaphas prophesies that Jesus was about to die for the nation, for salvation and deliverance and healing. In John 12 we read, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. Here is no passive accident, no unfortunate ending to a brilliant life. This is the purposeful end to the mission for which he came, to accomplish the salvation of the world. Christians in every generation have pondered and sometimes argued about the meanings of this death and the best way to express the mystery in words. It's more important to believe and receive this truth than to understand it fully. Each time we celebrate the Eucharist, according to the Book of Common Prayer, the priest says these words, He made there, by his one oblation of himself, once offered, a full, perfect and sufficient sacrifice oblation and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. It's worth pondering that beautiful sentence. Cranmer's words remain for me the best summary of what is happening on the cross. Every time I say those words or hear them, I pause to think about that phrase, for the sins of the whole world. I cannot imagine the weight and extent and gravity of the sin of the whole world. I understand something of the sin of one life, or the small number of lives which have crossed my own path. The sin of the whole world for a single day is beyond our comprehension. But the sin of the whole world in all eternity, that is beyond imagining. But so great is the power of what is accomplished here. He made there by his one oblation of himself once offered a full, perfect and sufficient sacrifice, oblation and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. At the cross is healing and forgiveness and renewal and grace and new life and fresh beginnings. It is accomplished. We wait and ponder and celebrate and remember and absorb in a way 
which is a little deeper year by year, the mystery of our salvation. Oh, oh, oh. 